I want to talk to you about the love of God today and, and love in general, but you know, love is a very powerful thing. Love will cause people to do almost anything for the sake of love. I mean, they'll do things. I've heard stories of men uh, riding, riding their bikes or walking miles and miles to go off to see their girlfriend and just traveling. Didn't matter rain or shine, they're going to go see their girlfriend or their fiance, whatever. They've done all this traveling. And, and it, to them, it wasn't a sacrifice because it was nothing they'd rather do than go see their girlfriend or their fiance. And I remember, well, actually, one time for me uh, to go see Holly, she was in New York. I was in New Brunswick, Canada. It's about a 17 hour drive each way. And we, I, we did that on the weekend one time. I get to see her for, I don't know, a day and a half, maybe at the most. And then my car broke down, which took out some of that time. I'm like, I am losing precious time on the side of the road right now. My car is broken down in Adams, New York, if you guys ever heard of that place. And uh, I was just stranded there for a while. But anyway, um, I want to share a little bit about my story, how I met Holly and just some of this stuff, just to connect it with the love of God and the love they have. But my first time going to... Holly's home. It was at Christmas time, actually Christmas Day, and uh, this this was it was a different experience for me because her family is like the Walton family, and my family were more I don't know like the Simpsons or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. We just we're we're very. I don't know if that's a good definition, but it was very very different. And uh, so anyway, I was pretty nervous about meeting them, and I remember it was Christmas Day. I flew into uh, Ottawa. And uh, at the airport, I didn't even know they flew on Christmas Day, but at the airport, and they weren't there. And I'm like, there's no one there except I saw one custodian guy cleaning the floor over somewhere. I didn't see anybody else, no workers. Like, I'm like, I'm on like, I'm like Christmas Day, I'm in the airport here, and they're not here. So I call uh, the house, and her mother answers the phone, like, you're still there? It's an hour and a half drive. Like, no, no, they're on their way, but they were like 45 minutes late getting me. And I was thinking, yeah, I think they're showing me right now. They're not very excited about this visit. Uh, they were definitely not excited about the visit as I was about the visit, but anyway, they picked me up uh, about 45 minutes late. We had an hour and a half ride back to, to the farm, and uh, Holly's little brother, his sister were there. Her brother was about eight or nine years old, and this kid drilled me the whole way home, the whole ride back, hour and a half. He drilled me with questions like, have you ever had a girlfriend before? I'm like, this guy's like eight or nine, right? He goes, have you ever kissed a girl before? Have you ever smoked a cigarette before? Have you ever done drugs before? Have you ever drank before? I mean, he did, like, hour and a half, he's like, and after a while, like, and I answered honestly every question, and his dad's up front chuckling, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure he put, he's my father-in-law, it's like, I'm sure he put him up to this, but anyway, and like, Holly's just sitting there, holding my arm, just in la-la land, like, oh, this is so fun, we're driving, like, this kid's driving me crazy right now, I'm like, are you going to shut this kid up or what? Like, how many more questions is he going to ask me? This is getting a little awkward and embarrassing. So anyway, he just kept going, and she didn't say anything. But uh, we eventually got to the farm, and uh, it was planned for me just to stay a couple of days. And my brother was, supposed to, was driving from Indiana. He was supposed to stop in there for one night, spend the night with his wife and his daughter, spend the night one night at the farm with them, and then take me on back, to camp, back to New Brunswick to see my parents and my brother's parents and, and, uh, together. And the plan didn't really work out that way. And uh, this, is, uh, this is one of the worst weekends of my life. I'm about to share with you, okay? I'm just telling you. And Robin, if you're watching... I do forgive you, but oh my gosh, uh, God did a number on me when he gave me you, I just say that. So anyway, uh, he gets to Holly's parents' place, and is, he has a flat tire, and all the stores are closed, the shops are closed, you can't order anything, it's Boxing Day and other, other days, and it, anyway, the day after Christmas in Canada, they call it Boxing Day, and no one really knows why, but anyway, just to box up the stuff you don't want to take back, I don't know, but anyway, so... 
uh, he has this flat tire, we're there at our house, and he's stuck there. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to be in their house with my hopefully in-laws one day. I'm, I'm really serious about this girl. I love this girl. And my brother makes me nervous constantly. To this day, actually, Micah remind me of this. To this day, I was just in, uh, in Florida not that long ago, and we were in the same house. I pushed my mother's dresser in front of the door so I could sleep that night because I was afraid my brother would come in and do something to me in the night. I mean, he's, he was always pranking me and dumping water on me, breaking the shower and dump ice water on me and stuff. He just, it was no rest when he was around. But anyway, so I said, listen, I, I really love this girl. I think she's the one. I need you to be on your best behavior. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. Like, I'll be good. Like, no, I'm, I'm serious, man. You need to be good. This, uh, this is important to me. He goes, ah, don't worry. I'll, I'll be fine. So, yeah, he wasn't fine. And he was not good. In his mind, he might have been, he was not fine. He did everything he could to embarrass me. We're there at dinner that night. He's telling every embarrassing story I've ever done, how I wet the bed until I was like, I don't know, seven years old or something, and every nosebleed I had, every embarrassing thing. Like, I'm thinking, like, I hate you right now. I hate you. Like, I asked you to be, why are you doing this? This is my potentially future in-laws. What are you doing this for? That night, he uh, put a, his, his daughter Ashley was in diapers just young. He put a wet diaper in my bed and made the bed. I went to go to bed, and the bed was all soaking wet. And I'm like... I don't know where their sheets are and their stuff is. I don't want to go. I'm just like, oh, my brother. So uh, anyway, uh, it got worse. So uh, it, New Year's Eve came along, and he and we decided to invite some friends over for New Year's Eve. And uh, it, it got so late with the tire thing, my brother wasn't able to take me back home. And so ended up just deciding to stay there at the farm for a few more days and head back to Indiana. You get to miss out on seeing my parents that, that Christmas. But anyway, um, we had some free friends over and decided to go out and run a movie and, and stuff. So I, I was so nervous and uptight about their family differences and my brother being there that I wasn't even thinking, but he ran this movie called Son-in-Law. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It's Polly Shore, and it's a horrible movie. It really, I, I've never, I never have seen the whole thing. But anyway, um, but he thought it was funny because it was called son-in-law, and his way of poking at my father-in-law now that, like, this guy's going to be your son-in-law, you know? And I didn't even make the connection. And, but he had told my in-laws that I had seen the movie, and I picked it out at the, at the rental store. And I had never seen it, and I did not pick it out. So I was just like, you told him what? Like, oh. So anyway, we're into the movie. First scene just starts. And, uh, well, before that starts, uh, her parents said, Oh, we'd like to watch the movie with you. I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm even more nervous because I've never seen it, and they think I picked it out and all this stuff. So in the very first scene, this girl's, uh, the, his daughter's in bed, and she's all snuggled up in bed, and the dad comes in, kisses her, good night, honey, I love you. I love you too, dad. He goes out, closes the do door, and she, op she, she gets up, takes off her nightgown. She's fully dressed underneath, opens the window, climbs out the window, and goes and starts making out with her boyfriend in the barn. And her dad just starts, like, staring at me like, like, he's, like, he's like doing a death stare right through the side of my head. I can feel it. I'm like, I'm not looking. I'm just like staring at the TV. I'm like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. And uh, I'm like super nervous. And there was more scenes like that. And they got worse and worse and stuff. And they were just some, they're the Walton family. I mean, they, they, it was probably the worst movie they've ever seen in their life. And they were traumatized and I didn't really realize it. So anyway, um, I, I eventually got to some other scenes. I don't remember what they were. They're just bad. And, he, and finally, uh, he looked at me and he said, you would let my daughter watch this? And man, I felt like I was about an inch tall. And I'm like thinking, I hate my brother right now. I just, I just so mad at him right now. And I, just, I didn't even answer. I was so in shock. 
I was so stunned. Like, my brother's ruining everything this whole weekend. It's like, oh. And uh, I just, after a while, I got up. I went upstairs to my room, closed the door. I crawled in bed, and I just started crying. And I was like, God, I hate my brother. Like, why did, why did, he's ruining everything, you know? And uh, so anyway, uh, he didn't end up staying. We didn't, I didn't have, uh, my brother ended up staying a few more days. He went home, and I had to get an air, a flight to get back to New Brunswick because he wasn't going to be able to take me there. And uh, it's the day for me to fly home. And I'm saying, okay, Holly, I got my suitcase in the van. Let's, let's go. Let's get in the van. She goes, I'm not going with you. Like, what do you mean? Like, Dad said I can't go with you. He wants to talk to you in the van ride. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, what else is going to happen? He wait an hour and a half? Like, please, you have to go with me, please. I'm scared of your dad. I don't want to. Do... He's a very nice guy, but I mean, when you're dating his daughter, I mean, there's the stakes are high, right? And he, he was like, anyway, so uh, she was not allowed to go. And so for an hour and a half ride to the airport, I'm with her dad, front seat of the van, and he just starts talking to me about dating and how, uh, how far is too far when you're dating and how my, root, how my house is set up at, at, in New Brunswick, and where does Holly usually go in the house, and um, there's this book called Kiss Dating Goodbye, and if he want, talked about maybe faxing me some pages of some stuff that he wanted me to, to, to read, and I was like, how much further is this drive? Like, this felt like forever. And then he said, I remember this, he said this to me, he said, um, if I was to give you a million dollars, I'm thinking, man, this guy's going to pay me off. <laughs> he doesn't want me to come back for sure. But he's like, if I, if I was to give you a million dollars, he said, what would you do with it? And I said, well, I'd pay off some bills. I'd probably invest some, maybe get a house. I, would, I definitely would tithe. And I said that before as a pastor, just so you know, I, I, I did say that. I said a tithe, and, um, which would be 100000 if you didn't know. So uh, he said, so you would take care of it, right? I said, yeah, I would take care of it best that I could. He goes, well, right now, you have something that's been given to you. He goes, no, no, let me go back. Not given to you, on loan. We'll say on loan to you. That's worth way more than a million dollars to me, and that's my daughter. And he said, I am not a violent man. <laughs> but he said, I want you to know that if you do something to hurt my daughter, you're going to feel the wrath of Bill Healy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, how much further is this drive? I fly home. He drops me off. fly home. Parents pick me up. I tell them everything that happened. They're crying. They're laughing so hard. I think it's funny like you guys did. And uh, to me, it wasn't funny. This was a horrible weekend for me. It was, it was, it was terrible. And mostly because of my brother. But anyway, but you know what? I went back. It felt like I was tortured in some ways. I, and they, maybe they felt that about me being there too. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> my family being there. But anyway, the Waltons had a crash in from somebody. But uh, I went back. And people, you know, in the same way that uh, we'll do almost anything for love. People will do almost anything to fulfill that desire, that need to be loved. It was the desire to be with Holly, desire to her to be my wife. Was like, I'll go through it five or six more times if I had to, and it did get better. Praise God! They eventually knew I was a decent guy, and <laughs> and so. But um, if you think about how love and our need for love influences us to do things, even in high school. Some of us, probably all of us, did some really stupid things in high school because somebody peer pressured us into doing it. We, needed, we had this feeling we needed to fit in. We needed to not look bad. We had to look good. And this need and desire for love uh, caused us to do things we normally would, would not do. We'd normally say no to. But every human being has a need for love and acceptance, whether they're saved or not saved. Every human being has a need for love and acceptance. And just as our bodies have physical needs like food, water, and sleep, our souls have needs also. And when those needs are not met, people will do almost anything to fill them. But they don't know what to fill it with. So they fill it with drugs. They fill it with sex. They fill it with 
uh, pornography. They fill it with, you know, food. They fill it with exercise. They fill it with anything. anything. You can fill, try to fill this void in our hearts, but nothing can fill that void in our hearts but the Lord Jesus. Your best relationship, your husband, your wife, your spouse, like, they can't fill it all the time. They're going to help. They're not going to fill it all the time. So I want to share with you today seven needs of the human heart by Dr. Mark and Deborah Lasser and uh, how these needs uh, are only met through Christ. Okay? So the first need every human has, you want to take notes, it's good to do. And uh, some of you guys are going to really hit home with some of these things and realize when these needs weren't met, you actually sometimes acted out and did things that, that trying to fulfill a need. And you see this, you can see this with your kids, you can see it with yourself, but the first one is the need to feel heard and understood. This is a desire we have to be known. We want to be understood and believed, and we want to share our thoughts and feelings with people. We all know that, uh, that good feeling when you're sitting down with somebody that's a really good listener. They're listening to you. They're not judging you. They're just listening. They're taking it in. They're understanding what you're saying. You know how good that feels. And, but when people don't feel like someone is listening to them, and they don't feel like their hearts are being heard, it causes other emotions and feelings. It causes sometimes our voices to raise up, like, you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. Why aren't you getting what I'm saying to you? Why aren't you hearing it? And sometimes we'll interrupt the other person and cut them off. No, you don't get it. That's not what I'm saying. What's gone, we're speaking something, but they're not getting what we're saying, or we're not speaking clearly, or maybe a combination of both. But we often will get angry when we don't feel like we're heard or understood, because there's some desire, need in our heart that God wired us with that we need to be heard, we need to be understood. And those who are not heard or understood grow up, they, growing up, they may struggle to find their voice. They may even struggle to be able to speak about what they feel, need, or desire. Or the opposite may happen where they talk a lot. They just talk all the time trying to figure out how they feel. It could be either one. So the first one is a need to be known, heard, and understood. The second one is we need to be affirmed. Affirmations are about being noticed, being appreciated, or thanked. It doesn't matter if you're married for a day or 50 years. We still need that in our relationships with our family, with our spouses, to be noticed, appreciated, and thanked. Uh, we've all been, we need to be told, you're doing a great job. I, I really appreciate what you did there. Thank you for helping me with that. Thank you for doing this. It may be a husband and wife situation, and they're supposed to do the dishes, or they're supposed to do this, they're supposed to do that, that's part of their chore list or whatever, but they still need to, be, they still need to hear thank you. You still need to say, I appreciate what you're doing. What you're doing is making my life easier. We still need to have that in our families, in our lives, because what we do, we can start to take our loved ones for granted because they're so, they've done this for so long, we don't give them that appreciation that we need to give them. So um, when we don't get affirmed, we may strive to please other people through our performance and try to do things perfectly. Some of us may have uh, received what's called anti-affirmation or criticism. We may have been told that nothing we, we do is ever good enough. It wasn't done right. We may have been corrected for everything that we did. And if this happens, we, sometimes people eventually just give up trying. Why bother trying? No matter what I do, it's not going to be good enough for them, so why bother to try? Okay, I'm not asking for hands to be raised, but I think you guys can relate to what I'm saying. Because guess what? We, none of us had perfect parents. None of us had perfect parents. And we all, uh, they're going through pressures, they're going through stress, they're going through stuff. And as children, we don't understand what they're going through, and sometimes this stuff just comes out of them. They don't mean everything they say. Sometimes it's just pressure of life getting to them. But when it does, the devil's right there with us to help encourage us to say, see, they don't care about you. They don't really love you. 
They, they don't have time for you. Or they love this one more than this one. They love you more than and all this. And it's, it's deception. Okay? But these affirmations can actually cause trouble. So, trouble. So those who didn't get affirmed struggle to know uh, if they ever did anything right. That any criticism, even constructive criticism, might cause them to get defensive because it takes them back to those guilty feelings of always being wrong. So someone said, hey, I think you're doing a good job, but I think if you did it like this, it might be better. And you're like, oh, what, what, what? I can say that because, man, I, I definitely was me, and maybe I still am. I try not to be, but uh, this was, my, I think, one of my biggest ones. I wasn't affirmed because my parents didn't give compliments much because they didn't want me to get a big head. That's what, they, that's what I was told. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it happened anyway. I don't know. But, uh, but it's criticism, even constructive criticism, can cause to be defensive because these guilty feelings come back. So people that haven't had affirmations and you're good or I appreciate you, thank yous. Lord, we pray for that family in need and those workers. Bless them in Jesus' name with wisdom, safety, protection, and healing in the name of Jesus. So, um, but people that have, haven't been affirmed, they grow up sometimes never knowing what they're good at. And when someone says, hey, you're really good at that, they're like, I am? I didn't even know I was good at I didn't know. I remember one time someone telling me I was good at throwing a baseball. And I'd had, you know, catch my dad lots of times. But I didn't really realize I was good at it. It, just, it was just what you're supposed to do. I remember throwing the ball, and this guy's catching He's not even moving his glove, and I'm throwing right into it. He goes, man, you're really accurate with your throw. You're really good at this. I'm like, I am. It was like I could remember where I was standing. <laughs> I remember right where it was because it was such a rare thing to be affirmed that I could just it just stood out to me. But when you're not affirmed, even if complimented, uh, you might not truly believe it or receive it. Someone says, hey, "You really did a good job on that," and you start going over and pointing out what you did wrong or what, what you should have done differently and that kind of stuff. And um, we have to learn to take those compliments. Amen. We have to learn to take it. It's part of what we need. So, and number two was we need to be affirmed. Number three. We need to be blessed. This is a desire similar to affirmations, but it's a little bit different. Affirmations is about what you do, but the blessing is about who you are. To be blessed is to know that you are unconditionally loved and you are celebrated. You don't have to do anything to receive that love. You are loved because you are alive. And uh, that's something all of us need. A smile comes on the face of those people and you walk into the room. And you don't have to do anything to earn their blessing. A father may tell his son, I'm so glad I have the privilege of being your dad. Uh, it was a blessing to me when you were born into my family. That, that's what's called, that's a blessing. It's also a blessing when you really mess up, and you really screw up and do something wrong, or you sin, you, you do something that disappoints the family. It's a blessing to be able to come home to a family that's going to love you, support you, and encourage you, even when you've messed up. They're still going to love you, not just uh, give up on you because you messed up one day. Amen, that's a blessing. There's also such things as an anti-blessing, we hear that you are no good, you're hopeless, or you're worthless. And unfortunately, too many people heard words like that. And when we confuse the desire to be affirmed with a desire to be blessed, we end up thinking that, we, thinking that the way to get blessed is by the things that we do. And we try to earn a blessing or prove our value. So to earn our blessing or prove our value, sometimes we have to put other people down to make ourselves look good so that, that people can see how great we are. All because we weren't blessed by our, our dad or our, our mother. The lack of blessing causes shame and constant feeling uh, the need to find blessing. Example, the need for approval, but it never seems to accomplish the desired result. Others are often put off by their self-centeredness or their uh, complaining because it also can lead to narcissism and there's a bunch of different things this can go, go into. But we have these desires in our heart that God wired you with. 
But only through God are these needs fulfilled. And when you try to put these needs on anyone else, they can fulfill them some of the time, but no one can fill them all the time, the needs that we have. They're not, I'm not trying to tell you that you stop needing them. I'm not trying to tell you they're not real. I'm telling you they are real. What I'm saying is, <clears throat> excuse me, the only way to really get the fulfillment of those desires is through the Lord. It is. You can try all these other things, but it's not going to work. So I need to get a drink. It feels like it's winter time and the dehumidifier is on. <laughs> all right, number four, the need to feel safe. See, pastors used to be able to get drinks while they told you guys to open your Bible to certain portions of scriptures. But because I don't do that, I don't get a break to get a drink. <laughs> but uh, we always have on the screen, but we need to feel safe. We all long to have what we need in life to live safely in this world, including money to provide for our basic needs, good health, a place to live, and meaningful relationships. When we don't have those things, we can feel very anxious. Growing up with a lack of safety creates feelings of fear and anxiety in the present. People get triggered by the perception on their part that things are not safe. Perception is the key word there. It could actually be safe, but they perceive it not to be safe, and all of a sudden they start getting anxious. Those who grew up in chaotic and unsafe homes may have developed a more acute sense of anxiety and may seek to control things about their environment and relationships in order to feel safe. So if some other area of their life is very much out of control, they're going to need to, another area of life, try to super control something so they feel safe. Control is something that helps them feel safe. And so some of you guys can relate to this stuff. And I'm not asking you to think about your neighbor, your, your cousin, or your brother, whatever. Just think about you. Because um, God wants to set us free from these things. Amen? The need to control. The need to control other people. The need to do these things. It is, an, is a need that we had to feel safe. But our safety comes from the Lord. He really is the only one with you 24-7. He is the only one that with you can, with you can protect your, your mind, will, and your emotions. And we need him for that. So we need to feel safe. Number five, we need to be touched. Babies are born with a need to be touched, and when they don't receive enough human contact, they can develop a failure to thrive and may even stop growing. And I don't think people really ever outgrow that need to be touched. And if you're married to someone who has a high need to be touched, and you're, uh, you're in a family that you hardly ever hugged, or told each other they loved each other, or you hardly touch each other, that person that you're married to, they can actually walk around the house feeling like they're unloved because you're not touching them enough. A healthy touch. I'm not talking about abuse and any kind of stuff, but just, you know, healthy touch. When people who long for healthy touch relate to other people who do not touch, they can feel unloved and unsupported. Even though that person could love them with all their heart, but if part of their love language and how they're wired is we're all wired for healthy touch. If they're not getting touched enough, it can actually hurt, hurt them and hurt the relationship. Number six, we need to be chosen. We need to be chosen. Being chosen means that someone else has expressed a desire to be with, be with us and only us. We feel cherished and special. This could be a friend or ultimately a spouse. The desire to be chosen is the desire to be desired. We can all remember those childhood days when we were picking for sports teams and you were hoping you weren't the last one chosen. You didn't necessarily have to be the first one, but you definitely didn't want to be the last one. Like, oh, great, I guess we'll take this guy. And you know, then you feel like... And those things, they, they, I mean, people laugh about it, but it happens and it really hurts that person that was the last one chosen for whatever reason. Um, or you remember even growing up, 
kids have that desire to have like a best friend. They don't, you don't usually use the word best friend when you're adults, but when your kid's a best friend, they have the blood brothers and blood sisters sometimes, and they have the people that have the heart, and they break the heart in half, and this girl's wearing half the heart, and the other one's wearing half the heart, and have this best friend. They, they chose each other. You are my best friend. No matter what, I'm going to be there for you. And we all have that feeling of being chosen, that need to be chosen. Now, uh, they also... It's, um, people with such wounds, let me go back here, not being chosen leaves wounds of feeling unattractive, unattractive and unlikable. People with such wounds constantly compare themselves to others. Anyone perceived to look or act better or achieve successful things will trigger unworthiness. They will also struggle to believe compliments. So if they were not chosen, didn't feel that they were chosen, they can actually struggle with unworthiness, these feelings, and, and, and jealousy, because someone else succeeds and they didn't succeed as much, they can feel jealous of their success. And you know what? God doesn't want you to battle that. And you know, you could feel like this relates to every one of them, or maybe you don't relate to any of them, I don't know. But historically in America, people have gone to great lengths to look attractive to other people. Uh, that's why our cosmetic and plastic surgery industries in America are what they are. I remember hearing stories, I'm going to just say this, but we were hearing stories in Arizona of these girls turning 16, and for their 16th birthday present, their dad and mom are buying them breast implants so they can look attractive to the boys and be popular. There's something sick about that. Something very sick about that. And I think I'm on a bandwagon now. I might as well. I already dove in. I might as well keep going, but I'm sinking fast. But anyway, I think it's sick just how women are even portrayed on television. We hear all this fighting about you know, women's rights and all this kind of stuff, and some of that stuff is good, but the way they portray women on TV is so sexist. Like, I mean, on, if their boobs aren't showing, the cleavage isn't showing in the scene, they're not going to be in the movies. They're not going to be in the show. They're not, not, not even going to be worthy enough to be on TV. Wow, I just said that. So anyway, yeah, and I think it's disgusting. I think it's wrong. I think it's evil, and I think if women want to fight over some rights and stuff, like, let's fight about that. Why do they have to look like that to be on TV? Why do they have to you know, be perfect or whatever in someone else's mind to be that? It's, it's something wrong with that. But these stats I saw online, average woman spends about $313 a month on her appearance. The average man spends about $244. This is facial moisturizers, gym memberships, shaving products, and supplements, things like that. In 2018, uh, Americans spent $16.5 billion on plastic surgery. To tuck this and trim that and do something to their nose or something to their face. There's a, what, why are they doing that? They want to look good to somebody. Who's this somebody? The person they want to choose them. They just need to be chosen. In America also, average, average a year is about $33 billion every year on weight loss, weight loss products. Often these things are done so we look good to be, in order to be chosen. So ultimately the need to be chosen is we want to be chosen by one person, by a spouse, to be chosen for life. And that person is like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you and you only. And when you have that, it's a very, it's a very awesome blessing. Amen? Amen? Amen. But we all have that need. And when someone wasn't chosen, or maybe they thought they were chosen and something happens and there's a breakup, there's some serious wounds there that God needs to heal. Amen? And last one, number seven, we need to be included. The desire to be included is similar to the desire to be chosen, but the, the difference is you need to be included in a larger group. Chosen is individually and, and included is uh, in a group. You think back to grade school uh, and stuff like that. 
playing games I mentioned before, um, or, or you wanted to be in the lunch, you're in the lunchroom, you wanted to sit at the cool table, you want to sit with the cool kids and be included. When they're playing games, you want to be the last one selected. You go to high school and people want to be in the right clubs, right sororities and uh, fraternities and organizations and things like that in college. Even in church life, you want to be in the right church, right neighborhood, socialize with the right circles. It's all about appearances and how it looks to people on the outside. You want to look good and keep up with the Joneses. And it's all garbage. It's not real. It's a facade. When you get there, you won't even know you're there. You won't be able to enjoy it. So all these are connected to our need to be included. People often struggle with the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. This one, being included, is like probably how it summarizes the best, the fear of missing out. It could be fear of missing out on what God has for you, missing out on a husband or a wife, missing out on provision, missing out on a job offer, and all those things. It's a fear of missing out. But with God, you don't have to have a fear of missing out. Amen? God has things in store for you that no mind has, no eye has seen, no mind has, has comprehended what God has prepared for those he loves. All right, so um, those not included as children may spend their adult lives constantly trying to fit in or avoid social situations altogether because they don't want to be, since they weren't included, they feel rejected. So they don't want to go out in public or go to this place or that place because they might not be included or welcomed into the group with the cool people or the popular people or whatever, and then they feel rejected. Uh, not being invited triggers feelings of pain. So in an attempt to fit in, people will say yes when they mean no. In both the need to be chosen and the need to be included, we can uh, feel very anxious about potential loneliness and isolation. The anxiety will drive us to do and say things we later regret just to avoid the experience of feeling left out. For example, as teens go to parties, and they drink when they, even when it tastes horrible, right? Like, oh, this is awesome. And it tastes like garbage. Like, it's like the worst thing you probably ever taste in your life. But like, but I got to look cool, so I got to drink this horrible tasting beer. That's actually a personal testimony for me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, I did. I was like, this is awful. Like, Ugh. But I was telling, like, oh, yeah, it tastes great. No, it did not taste great. It was, but, but all these people are around me, and they're, they're drinking, and we're all underage, and it's what, you must be what's supposed to be cool because it's what they do on TV. That's what the commercials say. If you want to look like that guy and look like that girl as they're diving in the pool and they're slicking their hair back, you've got to drink. And, you know, anyway, it's, it's ridiculous. But I'm not against drink. I'm just saying, talking about peer pressure. Uh, doing things you would normally say no to, you're saying yes to because you feel pressured to be included in something. So all humans are born with these needs, all seven of these needs. And I'm sure you can relate to some of them. Maybe you can relate to all of them. Maybe you can see how how, because these needs weren't met in you as a child, sometimes they might still affect you today. Like, how you receive a compliment. If you touch people or if you don't touch people. If you're a hugger, if you're not, and those things. But all humans are born with needs. We have physical needs, we have spiritual needs, and we have these soul needs. These soul needs, again, are the need to feel heard and understood, the need to feel, be affirmed, the need to be blessed, the need to feel safe, the need to be touched, the need to be chosen, and the need to be included. The problem is that we, everyone has these seven desires in their hearts, but they're so deep inside of us that when they're not met, we don't know. We don't know they're not met. But we have this pain inside of us, and we don't know why we have this pain inside of us, so we go off to do these other things, trying to, these adrenaline rush things, or jumping off cliffs, or whatever the people do, to these things to try to fill these voids. Because they don't know where the source of the pain comes from. They're trying all these things, trying to fill it, and there's nothing that's going to fill it. Your marriage can't completely fill it. It, it can't. Uh, only God can fill it. 
Now, it's okay, it's not wrong to expect your marriage to help and you fulfill these happiness and the close relationships that you have to help with these things, but no one person can fulfill all the needs of a human heart all the time. Only God can do that. That's why people go through these midlife crises and thought, I thought she was going to bring me happiness. No, guess what? If you weren't happy before, you're not going to be happy after. Joy, happiness, those things, they come from the Lord. They come from the presence of the Lord. It's coming from knowing who you are in Christ, knowing you're redeemed, you're forgiven, knowing that you're, you are cherished, you are deeply loved by God. We have to know those things, not just here, we have to know it in here. Amen? So our marriages often suffer. We expect a spouse can give us the desires of our hearts all the time. We expect too much of a relationship, it can hurt it more than help it. What we need is we need to get healthy so we can give away love and not have to be so needy to receive love. We all, we all need to receive but the healthier we are, the more freely we're able to give it away without having to expect so much in return. So um, we hurt and we long for something more, but we often don't know what that something more is. Well, again, this morning I want to just tell you that something more is Christ. And you may not know him in all seven of these areas of your life. You may know him in just one or two of them or four or five of them. Maybe you do know him in all. But God wants you to be known and for you to know him and to meet all seven of these needs of your heart. So I'm going to go back over this and give you some scripture for each one uh, and what the, how the Lord feels about these things, how he, what he says to you about these things. Number one, our need to feel heard and understood or to be known. Look at Psalm 139, 1 through 4. This is the Passion Translation. I think, I think it's on the screen. Is anyone back there? Oh, yeah, okay. I couldn't see behind that huge monitor. So, uh, number one, verse one, Lord, you have everything there, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I take before my journey even begins. God knows you. Before you even in your mother's womb, he knows you. He knows you completely. Four words on your lips, it says he knows it completely. Isn't that amazing? Did you know I was going to say that? Yeah, he did. So, uh, number two, our need to be affirmed. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. You are complete in Him. The only place you're ever going to find the fulfillment, the completion of your heart, is through Him. It's only through Him. Amen? Who is the head of all principalities and power. And then uh, Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering He has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. In God's heart, God's mind, you are perfect your spirit is perfect right now, as perfect as it's ever going to be. That's how he sees you. We need to feel that affirmation from the Lord that he calls you perfect. Not talking about our behavior, but talking about our spiritual condition, our spirit. Number three, our need to be blessed or unconditionally loved and celebrated. Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Is that not an amazing verse? 
I love that verse. It says, the mountains might move, the hills might be shaken, there might be earthquakes and stuff that shake in your life, things that uh, be shaken, but one thing that will never be shaken is God's love towards you. His love to you is not going to be moved. He has compassion on you. He knows we're made from dirt. He knows our weaknesses and our strengths. And his love for you will never be removed. It won't be removed from you. Amen? The devil wants to tempt you to make you believe that he will lift his love from you. He'll take his love away from you. But the word of God says he won't. Amen? Or think about this one. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight... He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I'm telling you guys, this takes faith to believe it. But you are celebrated. You are celebrated. God, you walk in the room and God's like, ah, it's Joe, it's Ken, it's Laura, it's, it's Blake. You know, it's, he's excited to see you. Not that he'd ever stop seeing you, but he's always excited. He, he re- thinks about you and he rejoices over you with singing. Some translations say he rejoices over you with dancing. So are you celebrated? Are you loved? There's a love that you're never going never gonna to leave you, and he absolutely celebrates your life. Your minute you're born is like, come to Papa. Come to Daddy. He was excited about you. Amen? He loves you. Number four, our need to feel safe. Second Peter uh, 1.3 says, Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. That's a good word. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him, who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Everything we need is already been, for life and godliness has already been put inside of us. He's already given it to you. He's your father. He's your God. He's going to provide for what you need. You don't have to wave a flag at him. Hey, hey, don't forget me over here in Spruce Pine or Avery County, whatever. He knows where you live. He knows how to get things to you and help you. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. All of them. Spirit, soul, and body. All the needs. And one more, um, 3 John 1.2, Beloved, I pray you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So there meets all those things where you, where you live your health, your provisions, all those things. God wants to provide all those things for you. Amen? Just like he did in the garden. He's going to do it now. Our need to be touched, this one's a little bit different, but in the New Testament, you see Jesus touching the blind, the sick, the lame, lepers, widows, disciples. He was touched by huge crowds, and he touched people in huge crowds. He was often touching people. Uh, On earth, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And God wants us to touch people in a good, healthy way and touch each other and hug each other and encourage each other. And part of that's going to come from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Think about other people. Think about what they need. All right, 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some. What's that saying is get yourself to church. You're supposed to be here. Uh, But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So that, that's time with the last days. That means we should be here even more, and we should be encouraging each other even more as that day approaches. So it's a word from the Lord. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I mean, that's true. But God wants you to be in church so the body of Christ can build each other up and strengthen each other and encourage you when you need to be encouraged. Also, there's something in corporate worship that you will not receive at home. 
I have awesome times of prayer at home, awesome times of worship and communion, things like that, with God, where I have encounters with God. They're amazing, but they're not the same as they are when we're all together. When we come together as a family and we worship together, Jesus as a family, there's something that happens in the room. There's people that are instantly sometimes transformed in their lives by the Spirit of God in the room when we come together. And that's why God's trying to tell us, be in church. You need to be there. Because it's good for us. We need to have community. Amen? That's part of the way we're going to be able to healthy and, and with our physical touch with each other. Uh, number six, our need to be chosen, this desire to be desired. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Tough to get around that one, huh? And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You didn't choose God. It might have felt like you did, but he chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Romans 7, 4. So my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being co-crucified with the, body of the Messiah, with the body of the Messiah. So you are now free to marry another, the one who was raised from the dead, so you may bear spiritual fruit for God. You're now freed from the law to be married to another or joined to another, joined to the Lord. He's chosen us. Amen? And one more for this one, Colossians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You've been chosen and unified with Christ. In the same way, when a husband and wife get married, the two become one flesh. When we are merged to the Lord, we're married to the Lord, we become one spirit with him. Amen. Amen. Last one. Our need to be included, or our need for community. Ephesians 1.13 And you also were included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You were not rejected. You are included in Christ. Amen. That's a good word. You're included. Everyone loves to go to those places where you feel included where people know you by name and they know where you know some of your hobbies, your habits and things, know stuff about you, where, where you know you fit in. People love those places. And God says you are included in him. Amen. And last one, Ephesians 5, 1, 5 and 6. Having predestined us to, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. You cannot make yourself accepted in the beloved. Jesus made you accepted in the beloved for what he did. Amen? Amen. And you are accepted. You're included and you're accepted in Christ. Amen? So maybe you didn't feel that at home. Maybe you didn't feel that in school or college or wherever you were or work sometimes. But you have it with the Father. You have it with God. 24-7, seven days a week, you are accepted in the beloved and included in Christ. Amen? So our desires are fulfilled through him. We believe by faith that God hears us, he understands us, and he has known us before we were in our mother's womb. We know that God affirms us and blesses us. God promises, promises to keep us safe. God directs us to be in a community where we can be touched in healthy ways. God chooses us by sending, chose us by sending his son to redeem us back to the Father and finally wants to be include, us to be included in his kingdom forever. This is love. Love isn't something you fall into. 
You don't fall in love and fall out of love. Love is covenant. Love is forever. There is no love outside of forever and outside of covenant. God loves you with an everlasting love. Forever. Amen. So some of you uh, may have grown up with some of these needs unmet in your home and in your life. Maybe you still have some of those things unmet now. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you to make a list of those things that upset you. There's a pattern where you get triggered. You just, something happens when this happens, I really get upset, but I'm not sure, not sure why. Write it down. Pray over it. Write it down. Then trace it back to what need of your soul is not being met. If you don't remember the seven, I can email it to you or give it to you whenever. But trace it back. You know, spiritual homework like this is really good for your soul. We need to do this. So then meditate on scriptures that fulfill those desired needs to be loved and accepted. So you feel this way, but feelings are fickle. You have 15 different feelings about something in one day. But God's word is secure and forever. I'd also recommend not just taking the list and doing these things, but also recommend you sign up for a sozo session because God heals these types of wounds in those meetings. You know, if we knew why we were the way we were, the way we are, we'd fix ourselves, wouldn't we? We would. All of us would. Because none of us wants to tell anyone else that we have a problem because we're prideful. We don't want to tell anybody else we have any weaknesses or anything wrong with us because we are prideful. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes, we, you are. And I am. We are. All right? But we have to humble ourselves and trust the community, the, the uh, body of believers that are going to love you and minister to you. They're not going to gossip your stuff all over town or spread your stories, but they're there to minister life and love to you, not to judge you and condemn you and bring bad stuff to you. So if you're raised in a home where some of these weren't fulfilled, and it probably could be all of us, I want to just encourage you, pray about, go, make your list, pray over them, get the verse and stuff, but pray about having a sozo, because I'm telling you, they do amazing things to your heart. God reveals these lies you believe, He reveals where they came from, and the truth sets you free. Okay? We can stay with those habits we talked about last week where they, the lady couldn't help but rub the carpet footprints out of the way and stuff like that. We can stay with those weird things or we can get liberty and freedom through Christ. Amen? I want freedom. And I hope you guys do too. You may have got complacent or comfortable where you're at and living the way you are and whatever. I'm not trying to say anything's wrong with any of you. I don't mean it that way. I just mean there's always more. There's always more. We're talking about life in the Spirit, life in God. There's always more. So I want to just encourage you to pray about that because I feel in the season that we're in, God's drawn us to himself. And the closer you get to God, the more you're going to see some things that are going to be, because you're reflecting off of his glory, you're going to see some things in you that maybe aren't as glorious as you wish. And the more you get some of the stuff dealt with and taken care of, the more the devil can't, doesn't have that leverage to make you dangle this stuff, to make you feel guilty and condemned over stuff that you battle with. Whether it's emotionally or physically or whatever, God wants you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You're a slave to no man. You're a slave to no sin. You're a slave to nothing but slave to righteousness. When right stand with God, amen? So if you guys will stand, I want to pray a prayer of blessing on you guys. Um, this, uh, this word is definitely not in my heart to condemn anybody. I know what it's like to have some of those needs unmet. You do too. My mother grew up on a farm with, she was one of 11 kids. They weren't told I love you every day. They weren't hugged a lot. They weren't affirmed a lot and things like that. And we all have had different home lives and different situations that have been challenging. The parents did the best they could with what they had. Amen? Amen. They did. They did the best they could. It was different for everybody. But God is the perfect father. 
The Holy Spirit is the perfect mother, and he wants to bring us into a newness of life and health. And I'm just telling you, in the season we're entering into and we are in, you're going to need to be as healthy as you possibly can be. Amen. I'm not trying to speak doom and gloom, but there are, there are stuff going on that is just not good. And it's not, it's, it's not just in the natural realm, it's in the spiritual realm. And God, it's time for us to let our light so shine. Because darkness shines where there's an absence of light. Darkness shines. Darkness is darker or whatever. Darkness is bad when there's an absence of light. And the more light we let shine, the less darkness there will be. Amen? So, um, yeah, let me pray for you guys. God, you know that we can't heal ourselves of some of these wounds. And you know that you put those desires in us for a reason. And we, we do need those things. Some more than others on that list. Some are higher than others for different people. But we do need those things. And we need community. We need each other. And we need you. And God, I do pray there are areas in our lives, myself included, that you want to touch in a new way and bring more freedom. I pray you'd reveal that. You'd expose it. I pray even in marriages they would trust each other to speak into each other's lives that if there's a blind spot that you have that your husband or wife could speak into that blind spot and say, hey, maybe you should pray into this area because sometimes you get mad when we talk about this or whatever. You have to do that carefully, guys. But, um, but if there is something, God, I pray there would be people in our lives we can trust that we can share these things with and receive freedom. God, I just pray uh, for condemnation to come off in Jesus' name. God's not sharing this to, or exposing this with you to condemn you. He's exposing this in you to free you. Some of you have been doing certain things for all your life and you don't know why, but God knows why. He's going to bring healing there and freedom there. So Lord, I bless your children. I thank you for them. And I pray, God, you would help them to guard the word and protect those word so we'll not get stolen from their hearts. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.